Welcome to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Good evening and welcome to Paradigms. It's Sunday, November 8th. Baruch here with you again, as we are every week, on a show that looks at what's inspiring us, what's working. What are our visions for a viable future for life on Earth that includes humans? And I get to talk to all kinds of interesting people who are doing really interesting things. Artists, musicians, activists, people in government, people who want to be in government, all kinds of folks. You can check out our archives to listen to past shows by going to wbkm.org and scrolling down to the bottom of the page and clicking on Paradigms. And you'll find access to all of our past shows available as podcasts free for you to download. Tonight we have Paul Rest as a guest. I interviewed him a few weeks ago. Paul is an Aikido practitioner and a writer and an interesting guy. And I think you'll enjoy the show. And as always, lots of good music in between sections of the interview. We're going to start out right now with something from Donald Fagan on Paradigms on WBKM.org.
Leonard Cohen with To a Teacher. Seems appropriate considering who our guest is. A teacher. And Tea House on the Tracks from Donald Fagan's Kamakiriad. Let's go right into our interview now, the first part of a four-part interview with Paul Rest. My name is Paul Rest. Uh, I'm a writer and a teacher of Aikido, which is a uh, martial art. I live in uh, Northern California, and I have been writing for most of my life. My first um, literary achievement was a poem when I was five, (laughs) and um, I've been writing about Aikido for the last 10 or 12 years, and I've had uh, pieces published in South America and in Europe. Can you say something about Aikido? What is Aikido? We know I know it's a martial art, and I'm sure most people have heard of it, but how is it different from other martial arts? Well, the main difference with Aikido is rather than clobbering your opponent, the idea is that you're able to take that incoming energy and blend with it. The ultimate state of Aikido is that your opponent's energy is neutralized in such a way that they are um, they actually become your friend. 
the man who founded Aikido was a Japanese national, and he synthesized some of the existing martial arts, such as judo, jiu-jitsu, and came up with this idea that he called, uh, 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 it had a number of early names like Aikido and so forth. And, And along the way, he ended up having a series of cosmic revelations, actual Edmund Burke type experiences where he felt that he actually saw divine and had an experience, direct experiences of divine presences. And out of that, he developed this very, very radical idea that the whole idea of the path of the warrior, which is called Budo, is actually a path of love, which was 180 degrees, of course, from where Japan was at that time where it was farming and becoming a super militaristic uh, nation leading up to the Second World War. And what does Aikido mean? It's essentially a way. And I just found, I found this out, interestingly, the other day, that Aikido was actually a word that was created by the Japanese government to classify this martial art. And so I had always been under the assumption that Aikido was a word that the founder, Osensei, had created. And it was just a, it was a, it was a way that they were able to classify the martial arts after the war. When the war ended, all martial arts in Japan were banned. And Osensei was able to reestablish Aikido through proving that he had written brochures and pamphlets promoting peace before the war, and it was the first uh, martial art that was allowed uh, by the occupation forces, and GI studying, or in the occupation force, and then later at language students in Japan, ran into or heard about Bosensei, and they began training with him, because it just didn't make sense that this guy who was, I think he was 4'11", could move big western men with what seemed like unexplainable uh, effortlessness. And then these people came back and started teaching Aikido here in California, Terry Dobson, of course, there in Vermont, and was also spread in Europe with other of his followers and these people that, uh, Westerners who trained with him. And so what is the state of Aikido in the world now. And what are you doing with this uh, low-impact Aikido? What is that? Well, the state of Aikido is very interesting. Aikido is actually is being passed down through his family, which is, is a Japanese last name is Uishiba. And so his grandson is now the head of the worldwide Aikido family. And under within that family, there are uh, many different branches and many different schools. And then like in most families, all the family members don't get along with each other. Of course. But I actually think my experience is, is, is Aikido is actually a lot more harmonious than most families in martial arts. So they have some schools that are just really focused on the energetic component of Aikido, and other schools are much more inclined towards the, the, the martial aspect uh, of Aikido, which is about manipulating 
throwing, neutralizing an opponent through uh, a martial technique. The low impact approach actually came to me accidentally where I was teaching a class and everybody in the class on that particular evening had, you know, something wrong where they couldn't roll or fall. So in other words, I mean, one person's shoulder was bothering them and another person had a problem with their, with their knee. So I had to improvise what I was doing and I ended up teaching a class where there was no rolling or falling. So one of the interesting aspects of Aikido is that your attack, when you actually attack someone, there is a, the culmination of the attack is that you're thrown. So it's not where you're just sort of throwing punches, you know, where you would come in, the person that you're attacking would blend with you and then do some kind of throw, which involves you actually rolling on a mat. And then you get up and then you repeat that, you roll again and you repeat that. So in this class, we couldn't do any of the rolling. So I had to change what I was going to teach. And in doing that, I worked through the whole hour and a half class without any of the traditional rolling or falling. And afterwards, people came up and said, boy, that was a great class. I'd love to do that again. And I had to sort of replay the tape about what I had done. So then I repeated the class, the idea of the class, a number of times. And I realized that uh, with the baby boomer generation, that whole group of people coming up, many of whom have taken martial arts and are uh, been injured or can't do a full impact type of class, that this might work. So I began an exploration, and as I continued the exploration, uh, I began writing about it, and I had people respond from all over the world who run uh, martial arts schools, and who said, this is you know, what I'm looking for. This is, this is really, you know, great. And so what the low-impact approach has is a way of, you know, exploring the, whole, the full martial content of Aikido. So it's not an energy movement situation or type of class, although we do that. And it's not a just, you know, like a, a, where you're exploring the somatic content of, energy or, um, you know, how you move someone with energy. Both of those are included, but we also get into the nitty-gritty of a martial art, which is if you could, you know, on the worst-case scenario, if you're using your ATM and somebody comes up, what can you do? Right. And that the, your, your body has that training, something that's embodied in you that you can turn around and actually deal with this energy that's coming in, which doesn't necessarily mean you slug the person. That was Paul Rest, a keto practitioner. He lives in the Bay Area, and you can find more information about him by going to wbkm.org, clicking on Paradigms at the bottom of the page, and then clicking on Past Shows and finding tonight's show. Let's get right into music. This is a great one from Harry Nilsson. I think you'll recognize it and if you don't i i certainly hope you enjoy it jump into the fire on paradigms on wbkm.org
Though you tell me that there's danger to this land you call your own And you watch them build the war machines right beside your home And you tell me that you're ready to go marching to the war Oh, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Before you pack your rifle, go sail across the sea Just think upon the southern part of land that you call free Oh, there's many kinds of slavery, and we've found many more Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? And before you walk out on your job in answer to the call Just think about the millions who have no job at all And the men who wait for handouts with their eyes upon the floor Oh, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? And read your morning papers, read every single line And tell me if you can believe that simple world you find Read every slanted word till your eyes are getting sore Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Listen to your leaders, the ones that won the race As they stand there right before you and lie into your face If you ever tried to buy them, you know what they stand for. I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? Put ragged clothes upon your back and sleep upon the ground. And tell police about your rights as they drag you down. And ask them as they lead you to some deserted door. Yes, I know you're set for fighting, but what are you fighting for? But the hardest thing I'll ask you, if you will only try, is take your children by their hands and look into their eyes. And there you'll see the answer you should have seen before. If you'll win the wars at home, there'll be no fighting anymore.
That was Deep Forest from a Live in Japan concert album. Before that, we heard, uh, and that was called Forest Power. Before that, we heard Phil Oaks with What Are You Fighting For? And Harry Nilsson started us out with Jump Into the Fire. I always try to pick music that somehow is compatible with or supports the topic of the interview. Let's go right back into that with our second part of our interview with Paul Rest. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org from Burlington, Vermont, North America, planet Earth. Hope you're having a great evening. Here's Paul. So in regular Aikido, the energy of the attacker is discharged with the throw and the roll. Exactly. How does that energy get discharged in this without doing that? Well, the energy is discharged because you're still executing some type of a martial technique. So the, mars- the, the actual martial technique is a, an alchemical package that has a flow of energy that allows the, whether you're dealing with a circle or a spiral, that that energy is then dissipated into the earth. So you're drawing energy up from the earth at the beginning of the technique, at the culmination of the technique, the energy is going back into the earth. So you're really combining a physical practice with a metaphysical practice. Absolutely. You can't do one without the other. And I think that's one of the real problems in martial arts, in the martial arts world, is that the the relationship between these two are not seen. And it's, a, it's a very uncomfortable coupling for a lot of people because you get, can get into a lot of, you know, hooey, 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 you know, stuff. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and so what, what, what the idea is is that here is a form, and when you do this form, energy flows through you and the person you're working with with this way. Now, it's going to be different because everybody's body is different. So, in other words, in Aikido, when we do this low-impact class or regular class, we do four techniques and then you switch roles. So, in other words, the attacker becomes the person being attacked and vice versa. So, but each time within the four, it's different. So, you're doing two on the left and two on the right. So, Every one is different. And then you switch partners and you find, you, tr- you know, your body goes, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. I did it that way. That, was, that worked. And then you try it with somebody else and, damn, it doesn't work the same with this person. You know, it's, it, so you have to, it, it involves uh, a level of listening and listening to not just the other person, but listening to how the energy is flowing. It's not formula. It's always new. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's the, the thing that I think that really hooks people with Aikido is the fact that there's always an unknown, there's always, it's always new. Uh, and when people begin to try to recapture and repeat what they've been doing is when they, I think when they lose the spark of interest in the art. You know, like with everything, you, you go through periods where you reach a plateau and you know, the flowers all smell good, the wine tastes great, everybody's beautiful, and then suddenly you run into a brick wall. And you have to relearn 
you know, the, all the basics over. You know, we call it peeling the onion, I think, which is also a Zen analogy. Right, you have to actually grow. You can't just rely on belief or doctrine to keep you dynamic. Well, if you try to approach um, Aikido as a belief without the actual movement and form uh, that's embedded, it, 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 it gets really stale. My, my insight into what O-sensei did and who he was, and he was just a regular guy. He was a guy that had trouble you know, earning an income his whole life. People would give him things. He would give, give, he gave his home away one time, left his family to live with relatives. And, you know, he, he, he was just, you know, he was a regular person, but he had this unique insight, this really unique gift about how, how energy, how the universe actually works. And I think what he did, and it was he actually embedded in each of the techniques, in each of the things he did, sort of a, uh, an alchemical DNA. And so when we repeat that, we're, you know, some of that DNA is rubbing off on us. And, you know, we can have little moments where we train where we have these glimpses into the heart of the universe. And you'll, you know, I, I write about this where, you know, in, with myself and other people where you... But suddenly they have these these moments where everything is just crystal clear. You know, if you call it uh, illumination or self-realization or satori or whatever. But my experience has been is that it happens, an observation has been that it happens on a regular basis in Aikido with with practitioners where they just, you know, something, something clicks. So someone who's listening to this radio show, who's looking for something to bring about more of those kinds of moments of connection in their life, because I think that's when we're growing and we're able to contribute most and, and develop as beings. Uh, Aikido might be something for someone who's listening to this, who's looking for another entry point to that level of connection, because Aikido is one of many such things in the world. Yeah, I think I think if someone is is looking to explore, find out more about themselves, and if they uh, would like to learn a martial language, you know, a, a dialogue, and have that not just be a mental conversation, but actually something in their body, an exploration of self. Aikido is a wonderful path, and I always recommend people start slowly. And they um, maybe just find a dojo and watch a couple of classes. Most dojos allow people just to come in and visit and watch. And there's a protocol for entering where you bow and take off your shoes. But, you know, just to, just to observe. Then there are usually beginning, beginner's classes where people can just get stand on the mat, do some basic movements and feel what it's like to be in that environment, to be swimming in that ocean. That was Paul Rest. I had a really good time talking with him. He's such a clear and yet mellow guy. Uh, if I lived in the Bay Area, I'd probably 
at least go observe one of his Aikido classes. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. We'll be back with two more sections of that interview with Paul Rest, but we've got some more music coming up. This one is from Paul Simon, and I just thought this was perfect for a show about Aikido. This is Learn How to Fall on Paradigms on WBKM.org.
That's The Rhythm Divine from Yellow. Before that, we heard House of Pride from J.D. Souther. He has a new live album out called Rain, live at the Belcourt Theater, and he has a new studio album coming out, If the World Was You. And uh, he's been sort of out of the music scene for a while, but now he's back. I'm sure lots of you folks remember him from the the 70s and 80s. He's one of the singer-songwriters who worked with people like Linda Ronstadt and Carla Bonoff. So check out his music that's back out on the scene. Before that, we heard Paul Simon, Learn How to Fall, which seemed like a, a good Aikido song. Speaking of Aikido, let's go into our third section of our interview with Paul Rast. This is Paradigms on WBKM.org. Can you say something about the way in which martial art, any martial art, is also uh, metaphorical and, and how it is part of learning to be a participant in culture and society in a way that is constructive and healthy? I think one of the, the biggest problems we have in our society today is we have so uh, insulated and isolated ourselves with uh, the, the technology in our lives. And one of the things that, that Aikido does in particular is when you're training with somebody, that person has a responsibility, a commitment to you to be a real training partner, which means that they, they are not tanking. They're not giving you the, the, the experience of partnership. Sounds, sounds sort of like a relationship or marriage. So, so what's happening is they're not being a jerk. In other words, they're not trying to be stiff and rigid, but they're, they're working on blending with you and you're working on blending with them. And I think this experience in the world is what's necessary and how you can take this out into the world. It's about how can we blend with people. And blending doesn't mean being a patsy or taking it or just standing there and getting run over. Blending means that that you can take somebody's anger that's coming in, you can let them have their expression of anger, but you can feel safe, you can step out of the way energetically, and after they're done, you can have the, the you can be centered in your own conversation, in your own self, in your own sense of who you are, that you can give a clear rep- reply. And this has to do with, with you know, uh, conversations about the national health debate. Obviously, a lot of the people that are there at these town hall meetings are not about listening. You know, they are about yelling and screaming and get, getting heard, and they don't want to hear. So, you know, the question is, is that I think Barney Frank did it best. He just said, you know, he, he just finally said, and it was, a, it was a beautiful blend, you know, what planet do you come from? <laughs> that was great. You know, like, what planet? So he's not saying... You know, didn't tell the woman you're a jerk in those words, and he didn't say, you know, what, you know, he just said, what planet are you from? And that is a great example of what Aikido would be in a conversation. Yep. And all those people who are so frightened that they are behaving irrationally, if they were more centered, 
they would be able to present their concerns in a way that was more, it was easier for people to hear. Yeah, I think that there's one of the one of the issues here is that there's there's a price, there's a cost of being centered, and that price, that cost, is that you can't be a jerk. You have to you have to be willing to listen. So if if a person wants to go through life, have their own beliefs, their own fundamentalism in America. And you see that with fundamentalism in Islam and with you know any religion where you have an extreme position, there's no um, no room for listening. And if you actually watch those people when they speak, their bodies have no flow. Their bodies are rigid, their jaws are tight. Um, and you can just literally see how energetically closed down they are. If you put a person like that on an Aikido mat, they, they, would, they would not be able to blend or move or they would, be, they, would be, they would be a danger to themselves and the people around them. I used to be a, a, a body therapist and, and so what you're saying is familiar to me, the idea that you know, our physical structure and our, our character structure, our, our emotional structure, how flexible we are or are not, sort of cuts through all aspects of ourselves. If we're physically rigid and tight, we're probably mentally rigid up to, and tight and emotionally. And it sounds like one of the things you're saying about Aikido is that it's about flexibility. It's about being able to be flexible and move with what you encounter instead of being thrown off balance by things you don't expect. Yes, yeah, so, there, so there's a physical flexibility and there's an energetic flexibility. And once again, you, how do I move my body and how do I move my energy? Once people have studied Aikido and some martial, other martial arts enough, what they learn is they, put their ener- they move their energy first and then their body will follow. I teach my students when we, when we practice, put your energy there and your body will follow. So in other words, it's about extending. And, you know, when you start out, you know, how do you do this? Well, you know, just imagine it. And then, you know, like, well, direct your will. There's all, you know, a number of different ways you can play this game. But eventually what happens is the energy does move. And then the body, you know, we have this wonderful uh, ability in our bodies where we're hard, actually hardwired, where we're sort of energy junkies, <laughs> where, you know, you put your energy in a certain direction, and your body's going to love to follow that. In fact, your body's going to say, you know, why haven't we done this before? And that really speaks to uh, the whole question of intentionality as a society if we imagine ourselves continually being a society in strife, well, then that's exactly what we're going to be. But if people consciously chose to put their energy into a direction that more reflected their deeper core values, then our society would follow suit with that. I couldn't agree more. I I think that the peace that uh, President Obama has brought to the national consciousness and the national dialogue is his, his ability to express 
and communicate a vision. And that, you know, a nation without vision is a nation that's lost. The people without vision are people that are going to sit in front of TV watching reality shows are going to consume way too much fast food. There's going to be obesity. There will be a nation of people that really don't want to listen to each other, really want to shout at each other. The last time we had that in America, we had you know, the Civil War that resulted, not the TV and the fast food, but the shouting. Well, if people don't have their own visions, then there's a vacuum, and they're willing to take in, without realizing it, other people's visions. And when those visions are sold to them for someone else's profit and not for the common good, well, this is what we get. Well, I think that your idea there of the vacuum is really accurate because I think, you know, you have that vacuum. People, you know, organizations can sense that. You know, when I watch what, uh, Rachel Maddow, you know, she, she really addresses that issue in her, in her shows where she talks about how here's this vacuum and then you have these organizations like this one, what was the one, Freedom Now, where they come in and they create all this misinformation and just drop it in this vacuum. So suddenly people have something there, but it's it's not information that's thought of that it really resonates with their body. It's just a way to, to be angry, to uh, act, act up, and to act out. Yeah, it keeps people in reaction. And really, if people tap into their own visions... People are amazingly creative and, you know, for the most part, if they're not being motivated by fear, people want the same stuff, you know. They want to live pretty comfortably and raise their family and worship as they choose and, you know, not live in a toxic waste dump. I mean, most people's wants and needs in this world are pretty simple. But when people rely on other people to give them the visions, then they don't, they don't go after what they really want. One of the things that uh, I got out of the interview with Paul really was the idea of practice. I mean, he didn't talk about it a whole lot in terms of what that means, but it's something I think about when I think of martial arts. I had my own uh, period of training in a martial art taekwondo some years ago and have had various daily practices in my life for periods of time, yoga and meditation. and. It serves an amazing purpose. It, it, it creates a, a center, a core, when you have a regular practice, which could be, you know, a really explicit spiritual practice or something else. Pretty interesting. Let's go into some more music now. This is called Sparring Partner, Paolo Canti, on Paradigms on WBKM.org. Senza storia, dice lei, 
Tirui Che gli manca la memoria In fondo ai quanti bui Ma il suo sguardo è una veranda Tempo al tempo e lo vedrai Che si addentra nella giungla No, non incontrarlo mai Too much with you All of the time 
Steve Forbert, 
Search Your Heart, and before that, Sparring Partner from Paolo Conte. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. We've got one more section of our interview with Paul Rest and some more music, and then we'll be calling it a night. As always, you can check out our archived podcast episodes, uh, previous episodes of Paradigms, by going to WBKM.org. Scrolling to the bottom of the page and clicking on Paradigms, and it's all right there. Next week, we've got an interview with Janice Ian, and we'll be featuring music from Janice. She is still out there on the road performing. She will actually be in Keene, New Hampshire this coming spring, and hopefully I'll be going down there and talking with her. So definitely check in with Paradigms next Sunday night for Janice Ian. The week after that, we've got a show on different modalities of healing and different models of healing. You know, we're so used to healthcare being for profit. We've got an interesting interview with a guy who's into providing free healthcare to people. And the week after that, it's all about humor and the healing powers of humor. So I hope you'll keep coming back. Here's the final segment of our interview with Paul Rest on Paradigms on WBKM.org. If you listen to some of the interviews of people in places like Iran and Iraq and Pakistan, what they want are that they can go through the day without having to worry about whether or not they're going to get blown up. They want to watch their children grow up. They want to know that their children are going to be safe. They want to have things. Uh, they want to have the ability to have a home life. The men want to be able to earn a living and feel like they are doing something in the world. If you watch, you can see that repeated over and over. A lot of the regular news channels will just sort of do a, will do a portion of that and then cut it off. But every once in a while, you'll actually see a little bit more interviews where the person being interviewed actually explains, you know, and it sounds just like what somebody would want in Iowa or, uh, you know, in, in, you know, any state in America. People are people wherever you go. I sense that there is a, some kind of question that we're in about right now, which I, I attribute very much to President Obama about what what level of involvement do we as a nation want to have in the world and how do we want to have it? Which is, I think, it's a very healthy, a very, very good conversation. Well, it's it's kind of the ultimate question for us right now because the relationship we've been having with the, uh, many other parts of the world is not healthy. It's it's We've been playing win-lose for a long time and the idea that we play win-win as a, as a country and as a world well, that needs to happen. That that dialogue needs to happen. Yeah, I, I remember I applied for the uh, Peace Corps, and I was accepted. And my notice of acceptance was I received a telephone call from Sergeant Shriver telling me that I was accepted. Unfortunately, the program was in Nigeria, and they had a civil war, and it was canceled. But... I still remember being part and feeling being part of the excitement of like being able to go and do something good. Yeah, I bet that was really exciting. It was. <laughs> <laughs> One of the 
points that I, I have uh, noticed within the Aikido community is this incredible ability to take the ideas or the, the teachings of Aikido and have what people have done out in the world. I, I do a, a weekly column about how martial artists are making a difference in the world. You know, the expression, I just did an interview, uh, a feature on a woman who created a program at San Quentin Prison that taught inmates to read because one of the biggest problems, at least here in California, is illiteracy among young people in the inmate population. And she created a program. This comes out of her martial arts training where she had this vision and was able to actually follow through, execute the program, receive funding from the um, Goldman Fund for the program. And then the inmates take a book, and the same book is given to their children. So they are able to read the book with their children during visiting hours or over the phone. Now, that's, that's, that's really making a difference. These people, you know, are, are actually creating stronger family ties, you're improving literacy, and uh, inmates within the system is changing their lives around. The people that are going through the program numerous times are mentoring the younger inmates. You know, it's, it's a whole different environment. It's a different conversation. It's a different type of speaking. It's a different dialogue. I think it's, it's that, that, to me, is what any type of discipline needs to do is to be able to take it out into the world to do things that are going to change the world not by preaching or by trying to manipulate or by, you know, just being a media hound, but just you know, out there doing things, very quietly doing things that are making uh, a change in people's everyday lives. How can people uh, find you or find someone doing similar work to you where they are? People can email me at paulrest at paulrest.com and I will do my best to put them in touch with people that I know. I think every state in the United States has you know, numerous Aikido dojos and schools and most of those are, are doing things. You know, I, I'm, I'm in a state of constant amazement about how this has unfolded and flowed out from this martial training out into the world. Well, it sounds, from what you've been saying, it, it, it's a really good thing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, it is a good thing. <laughs> and uh, the folks that I've known that were involved with Aikido got a lot out of it and are all people who have made real contributions in their communities. And I think there's something to be said for being a person who participates, you know, and who does work on themselves and offers that out to, uh, to the world. I think one of, the, one of the greatest stories, martial arts stories, and this is with your old friend Terry, was the incident in the train. Do you remember that? I don't know this one. Okay, so Terry was had just, I think, got his black belt, and he was really just martially attuned. You know, his whole body was vibrating, and he'd see people in the subway in Tokyo or around, and he'd say, if that guy attacks me, what am I going to do? And 
you know, and so forth and so on. Well, one time he was on the train, and there was uh, this very loud drunk. And this guy was absolutely, you know, three sheets of the wind drunk with stocking. And he was threatening. He was saying, you know, telling people, and, you know, Terry could understand Japanese. So he was saying, oh, I think I'm going to fight you because I don't like the way you look. Or, you know, I'm going to push your head, you know, through the window. And, and so Terry is going through this whole litany in his, in his mind, in his body, well, should I do this technique or that technique to take him down? Or what if I, you know, what if he and I have to do this? And what am I going to do? And while all this was happening in Terry's mind, I think it was a, like an, um, an old man just came up to this guy and sat down next to him. He says, uh, what are you drinking? And the guy said, all of a sudden stopped and said, sake. And the guy says, I like sake too. And the guy said, the drunk said, would you like some? And he says, uh, no, not now. I'm on my way to work. And so they started this conversation. And he said, he said, um, you know, how are you feeling? And, he, and the drunk said, oh, I'm terrible. My wife's left me. So this, you know, what happened was this old man sitting next to the drunk engaged him in conversation, got him to calm down. And, and Terry realized that he had just seen the most perfect demonstration of, of Aikido. It was absolutely perfect that here the old man had come up with the drunk's energy. There was no fighting. And the whole litany that Terry was running through in, in his mind about doing a technique or fighting, missed the whole point. That's a really great story. Well, on that note, I want to say thank you very much for your well, time you. and, and uh, really appreciate the things you said and happy to put this out to people. Well, I uh, look forward to hearing it and, you know, please, I am open to any emails or inquiries and I promise I will get back to you within 24 hours. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. And that was the final section of our interview with Paul Rest. Hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll be back with us next week, as I mentioned earlier, to hear an interview with Janice Ian. I'm going to leave you tonight with something called Tao Drum from the Rhythm Rancher. This is a guy who does amazing music, and I, uh, he's in the process of making a new CD, and we have an interview scheduled once that CD is, is done. It'll be in a few months, most likely. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and have a great week in front of you. This is Baruch with Paradigms on WBKM.org.
You've been listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Thank you.